Welcome to episode 79 of the Week in Review podcasts. My name's Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald, welcome. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it was our third crack at this intro. <laughs> Michael was me before. <laughs> this is our third attempt at the intro. Yes. I did say my name was Jordan and it's not. Certainly not. No, yeah, it's so been one of those weeks. Now, this is as far as we've gone now into this <laughs> episode. We aborted two earlier attempts. So how are you, Jordan? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a big week. <laughs> it's been a big, big week and uh, evidently my brain's a bit scrambled. Well, I've forgotten my name, so yeah. I'll, I'll get that right. Mm. And we sit here in the chilly room. It is chilly, but you reminded me before the air conditioning is on. Yes, in our first attempt, I did point out the aircon was on at 22 degrees <laughs> in the room. <laughs> and Michael's wearing a vest. So we might do something about that to be sustainable. <laughs> few different topics to talk about this week. Yes. Always something happening. And it's been a big week in terms of some of the media happenings in Australia. But we'll start overseas because there were some interesting figures put mm-hmm. out by an organisation called Challenger this week. And we discussed this a fair bit over the previous 78 episodes just on media job cuts. But the figures released in the US, so these are for US numbers, so US yep. jobs, showed that there'd been... 17,436 positions cut in media outlets in the US so far this year. The highest year-to-date figures on record, according to the Challenger figures. The second highest was in 2020 when we had nearly 17,000 cuts that were announced. So these are pretty big numbers. Include broadcast, digital and print. So, yeah, a fair bit... That goes into that and some other industries as well. So we know that there is a real struggle in media. That's this is not new this. I mean, goodness me, we were doing redundancies fifteen years ago. Yeah. I think two thousand and six, seven was the record year for newspaper revenue in Australia, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem all that long ago. That was uh, but then the internet of course really took off and advertising mm. and classifieds and uh, that affected newspapers as well as as TV as well. But there was big news in Australia yesterday with the ABC announcing a stack of changes here with a restructure and the axing of 120 jobs. One of the parts that they announced too was the Sunday night 7pm TV news bulletin would become a national bulletin. Now, Mm. there's a few things we wanted to talk about in this one with these jobs going. Um, There's been a bit of a focus on, I guess, linear TV and the role of linear TV in terms of, you know, your traditional television viewing and what that will take in this future of the ABC. Now, there's been a focus on the ABC's political um, appointments in their Parliament House Bureau. Some documents noting that the Parliament House Bureau in Canberra, in the ABC's words, has an outdated top-heavy structure still largely focused on linear television broadcast. The ABC goes on to say the job losses are savings measures and reinvestment initiatives. There you go. Okay. Reinvestment initiatives, uh, which they need because they want to become a digital first organisation. The ABC's director of news mentioned that they are trying to engage new audiences who are increasingly seeking their political news from other platforms and outlets. So one of the casualties was the Australian political, so the ABC's political editor, Andrew Probram, Probram, who said, in his words, I'm pretty flabbergasted. He's been made redundant. 
I've been informed that the national broadcaster no longer needs a political editor. Good luck to the ABC. I'm still trying to come to terms with it. So always sorry to hear of job losses and we're sorry to hear about that for Andrew Probin. But there's some very similar language here for the ABC that happened in the BBC in the UK last year when the BBC discussed becoming a digital first outlet in which it becomes online only. So some of its beloved TV channels potentially not being broadcast in the way that they have been before. They mentioned cuts to local television and radio services in England as well. So this has been really interesting. It's not new, but what will happen for the ABC here? Because it's not just the ABC. There are two issues here at play. One is sort of moving away from linear services in the way that we used to watch. And the second part is the nationalisation of your services. So they're different things. Mm -hmm. But they sort of come together a little bit here. You can become digital first, but you can still also report on local news for local audiences. Now, here's the challenge. How do you balance the needs of each state when you're the ABC without going down the nationalisation path? The ABC has long been accused of being too Sydney and Melbourne-centric. Okay. And those complaints have merit. There's no doubt about that. Yep. But try telling that to a very powerful body of employees at the ABC uh, in Sydney and Melbourne, who like Sydney and Melbourne very much. Understandably, yeah. The employee body in the ABC wields more power than counterparts and other news outlets by a long, long way. They okay. have significant power as an employee body. Now, we're already seeing this nationalisation trend through many media outlets. So the same stories in the same columns can appear in sister publications around the place. Yep. So the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald are an example. Now, I went and had a look this morning at the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, as we do every morning for clients. They had the same page one headline this morning. It's oh, really? Word for word. Oh, right. You don't often see that. No, you don't. The same story, the same headline, word for word, which you don't often see, but it's there this morning. Oh. They don't share an editorial anymore, which we mentioned last week. Yes, we did, yeah. Well, so they don't have an editorial space, but they do sometimes share them. Mm. Now, this morning's editorial in The Age, the place where it normally goes, has been taken up by a multiple-choice quiz about Victoria. So, okay. Yeah, so you get some, right. some questions and some st- state pride there. So... Mm. Now, interestingly, that there's two pages every day in the Herald and the Age of columns. You get normally four columns in there. In today's Sydney and Melbourne paper, three of those four columns are the same. So they're, they're right. the same. So obviously people in Sydney and Melbourne are interested in the same stuff. Now, that's oh. being tongue-in-cheek, okay, because we know that news outlets are doing it tough and the fact that they're still producing a daily print paper is a very good thing and there remains some high quality content in those papers. So let's yeah. savour that while it lasts. We had hoped the ABC could resist the nationalisation trend for a bit longer because let's face it, if you're having a beer at the Mossman Bowls Club in far north <laughs> Queensland, you don't really care what's going on at Mossman and Sydney's North Shore. Nah. Unless it's something really major, you really don't care. Nah. Yeah. But if you're going to watch the 7 o'clock TV news bulletin on a Sunday night from now on, mm. you're probably going to get served up whatever suits an audience around the country. That's it. So this only accentuates the challenge faced by media. Audiences do enjoy hyper-local stuff and it's been seeded to social media. Yeah, So that yeah. hyper-local stuff, think about the Facebook local community groups where you can get information from your suburbs. Yep. That local news used to be the domain of the suburban papers that would be jammed in our letterbox with stories about people you may know and miss a stack of ads 
that made those newspapers really profitable. That was my first job in newspapers, working for suburban papers, and I loved it. No longer, though, social media now takes up that ground. Jordan, do you seek your local news from social media? I do it through the community groups. We've got a pretty active one where I live, um, and they've also got a community chat now, which is more based around crime. Right. So that's pinging off most nights of the week with um, updates. But I say people are seeing things happening in their yeah, neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's names for streets that are parallel to each other. They've got three W streets. They're called the W streets. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty good, pretty effective. But that's, that's about as far as I go for social media and news, particularly local news, uh, unless, you know, there's the odd thing that pops up in a, in a career mail or something else. Yeah. That's... Just happens to be local. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, social media for sure. Yeah, it should have been seeded. The, this ABC decision this week, I found it really interesting. Who knows where it's going to go, but let's not mix up <coughs> the two different things here. The shutting down of the linear services. And let's see where the ABC goes with that. But nationalisation, they're different. So there's a bit to play out there. Now, Jordan, you wanted to chat about something really interesting to do with beer, so we're always happy to talk about beer. Yeah. What's happened? It's ironic that I'm talking about beer because I can't drink it. No, you don't. That's no, right. but I'll do it on behalf of everyone listening. It's fine. Well, we, we drink it on your behalf, so it's Thank okay. you. I'm yeah. glad. Um, yeah, it's about Bud Light. It's no longer ruling the US market. So it's now Modelo Especial, if that's how you pronounce it. Sounds that good. a good crack. Yep. So it overtook the brand as the top-selling US beer in May, and it's punctuating a months-long months boycott of Bud Light, which seems to be reshuffling the beer market over there. So Bud Light sales have tanked since April when uh, transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney posted an image on Instagram of a personalised Bud Light beer can that was gifted to her. Right. 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 Okay. Yes. So that Instagram post sparked an uproar and then Bud Light's response to the boycott angered even more people because they responded by standing down two executives and then, then simultaneously declaring that they support the campaign to stand by it. Oh, really? So they stood two down but supported the campaign? Yes, so for which there they wasn't had. voluntary stand downs either. So right. They, yes. Anyway, bud sales are down 24% at the wow. start of June compared to the same time last year. And the bud distributors are now saying that they're worried as they approach what they're calling the make or break period, which is between Memorial Day, which is May 29, and the 4th of July. Some distributors are even considering layoffs because of the significant downturn. But look, since the boycott, the Bud Light brewer, and Hauser-Busch. Yep. Yep, might have butchered that. Has accelerated yeah. production of uh, the new Bud Light ads, obviously trying to change the message a bit. Wow. So they're leaning into themes of football and country music in particular. Yeah. Uh, they also told us distributors that it would buy back any unsold cases of beer that have gone past the expiration date. So they're really trying to make amends a bit here. Michael, so essentially yeah. they've gambled here on this campaign and mm. it's backfired. But you Spectacularly don't, backfired, yeah. You don't often see them backfire in this way because in the end – People are generally quite loyal to their products because they taste good, etc. Mm. But sometimes, see, what I'm trying to say is if you really want to get mobilisation for a boycott, it takes a fair bit. Yeah, it really does. And uh, I must admit, it's 
Both surprising and unsurprising. The US is a very difficult audience. You never really know what to get sometimes. Yep. And unfortunately for Bud, it's not worked out too well for them here. Uh, let's keep an eye on that one over the beer drinking season in the US. Yes. When some of the freezing states get quite warm. Yes. So in this particular month, like you say, up till the 4th of July. Look, an interesting piece that emerged yesterday when The Guardian mm-hmm. put in a global ban. I don't often say that, but it's a global, global ban. ban. The Guardian Media mm. Company put in a global ban on gambling advertising. So we discussed this obviously a bunch of times on this podcast. Where does gambling advertising go? So the Guardian decided it will ban it. Now, um, the chief executive of the Guardian Media Group said advertising, particularly online, could trap gamblers in an addictive cycle that caused financial distress, mental health issues and wider social problem. She did say that Guardian journalists have reported on the devastating impact of the gambling industry in the UK and Australia, helping to shift the dial and ensure the issue remains high in the public agenda. So what they're doing now is banning any advertising through the Guardian. Now, they're not saying how much it's going to cost them. They are saying it will be a significant amount. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Here's an interesting part, though. They've banned all forms of gambling advertising, including promotions for sports betting, online casinos, scratch cards all over the world, except for lottery advertising, which has been excluded from the ban. Now, The Guardian says that lottery advertising could have social benefits through raising money for good causes. So there you go. Right. So they're not banning that part of it. I see. I so see. they already banned uh, advertising for from uh, what they say fossil fuel companies. That ban was put in place in 2020. So what is The Guardian still advertising? Well, I had a little uh, run through The Guardian website this morning, but to do that I had to turn my ad blocker off. Yes. Because I just don't see the ads because mm. like most people I use an ad blocker. Mm. So I turned my ad blocker off and that was a, quite a wild ride of things I hadn't seen for a long time. So... <laughs> yeah. The homepage featured a ghastly ad encouraging me to go to Tasmania in the winter. Ghastly, eh? It was ghastly. (laughs) As I sit here uh, with a jumper on in 22-degree air conditioning, which is on for some reason, I'm not going to go to Tassie, okay, in the winter. Do want to go when it's warmer, but not in the winter. Now, I clicked on the main story and there was an equally ghastly red ad for Virgin Airlines, which did pollute the screen, John Deere was hoping I would buy a new tractor from them. Mm. But my old one is doing just fine, so <laughs> I'm okay with that. And now if I wasn't keen to go to Tassie from the homepage ad, the next screen was encouraging me to go to South Australia. Okay. Right. Um, now, on the Guardian's actual story about their betting ad ban, there was the same big red ad for Virgin and also an ad for toilet paper. Toilet paper. Yeah. Interesting place for that. Yeah, toilet paper. So yeah. obviously it's not an addictive thing, but it's a necessary thing. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Uh, and then I noticed an ad encouraging me to go to Western Australia. <laughs> so, I might as well book a whole country trip. I've got some options there. I can go to Tassie, <laughs> South Australia, Western Australia, just from Lots reading. Lots of tourism ads around at the moment for Australia. Yeah, there's Heaps. plenty on this website. Mm. So, as it turns out, so now under existing laws, gambling ads are banned in Australia. Uh, on television from five minutes before a live sports event starts mm-hmm. until 8.30pm. Then after 8.30pm, the ads can also appear during breaks. So okay. now we knew from the federal opposition leader's budget reply speech in May 
for those of people who uh, were um, needing an insomnia cure and watch the budget <laughs> speech or the budget reply speech, okay. which can only help to cure insomnia. <laughs> but they did make a big point in this about banning uh, sports betting advertising. Peter Dutton did talk about uh, that. Uh, and he said footy time is family time. Now, you would know from this that there's, you know, Peter Dutton would understand some of the thinking about this in the community, right. that these ads are pervasive. He called them a bombardment of betting ads and uh, he's got a point. Now, TV executives say that if there was a ban on these ads, that would put at risk up to $200 million of revenue from gambling companies for Australian media outlets. The same media outlets we mentioned before who are doing it pretty tough. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Now, the trouble here is too that some of these media outlets have paid a stack for television sports rights in the years ahead mm-hmm. and they've done that thinking that they can get they can a get big ads. chunk of money back from the sports bookmakers. Yeah. So, uh, News Corp, of course, has a significant share in a betting company called mm-hmm. Better, B-E-T-R. So, there's a huge challenge here and as I said, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier – Media love ads from bookmakers because of the money they bring in. And it's such a competitive environment. The sports betting in Australia is so competitive. So Australian governments have a great history of hating to annoy Australian mainstream media. They don't like to do it. Hence, we have the anti-siphoning list, which we mentioned yes, here. Yeah. That gives free-to-air TV a leg up to show sports that is not seen in almost any other country in the Western world, but Australia gets a protection. Yep. It's a big question. There will be reform. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be reform. Yep. But the question is how much reform. Um, let's wait and see. But The Guardian has already gone out and done its reform and my ad blocker is back on. Jordan, you wanted to bring up something from Reddit's. I did. That we don't often mention, but no, we do. No, we don't. Not enough, at least for me. It's my yeah. favourite social media platform. It is, yes. But uh, earlier this week, it uh, Reddit crashed. So Crashed? Yeah, crashed. I'll yeah. get into that. But if you're yeah. not familiar with Reddit, it's, it grew in popularity because of its topic-focused communities, and they're called yeah. subreddits. And some of these communities have gained enormous audiences of well over 30 million. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but on Tuesday, thousands of those communities went private in protest against the Reddit developers. And incidentally, that's what caused Reddit to crash momentarily. So what the Reddit developers have done is back in April, they announced that they would increase the cost for people to access its API. And if you're not familiar with API, it's a really simple way to think about it. Think about your weather app on your phone. Yep. That app needs to get that weather information from somewhere. Yep. So developers would link it to an existing weather service via its API. Yep. So you'll develop the app, make it look pretty, and then you'll get the weather information via an API from some other existing service. Now, That's well explained. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, very good. Currently, it's free for moderators and third parties to access the API at Reddit. Uh, and this has allowed people to create some really nice third-party applications. And the biggest one that's making news is Apollo. And it's essentially a copy of Reddit, but it's a much nicer user-friendly experience than the traditional Reddit platform. Right. A lot nicer. But from July 1, the API will go from being free to access to $0.24 cents per 1,000 API requests. Might mean nothing. If we look back at Apollo... They make 7 billion API requests per month, which means it would need to pay roughly 20 million per month to Reddit. Wow. Yeah. So they obviously can't pay that. So they've announced that on June 30, they're going to shut down. Wow. And we've seen this situation before with Twitter. 
So it used to offer free access to its API yep. before Elon then jacked the price to $42,000 per month for its lowest API access package. It essentially kills off all third-party applications uh, that can't afford the fee, and it's most of them. Um, so I suspect Reddit is doing it for a very similar reason to Twitter. Yeah. You know, yeah. third-party apps are essentially competition. Reddit has all the user-generated content that these apps are wanting access to, and if Reddit makes it too expensive for them to access it, then they'll kill off the competitors Similar that offer similar or better user yeah. experiences. And it's also about ad revenue dollars. So Reddit makes mo- most of its revenue through ads. Uh, when you've got apps like Apollo, who also runs its own ads, Reddit never sees a dollar of that. Of course, exactly So right. getting rid of the competition gets ad dollars back in your pocket. But uh, you've also got to improve the product at that time too. So, yeah. There's a great history in the internet of people giving things out for free getting people used to them and then trying to charge for them. Yep. And, of course, the most glaring example of that is news media. Mm-hmm. When it first started, news stories were free. There was yeah. no value on them. People got used to them. So they got into a habit of not actually putting a value on them. And I think that still hurts news media outlets today Yeah. because of that mindset is, is there. Plus, the ABC website's free. News.com.au is free. So you can get news for free. So this is a bit different in that regard, but still people are used to getting something for free. Maybe it's an amber claim that they put out there and then wind it back, mm. but I can see why it's happening. As we always say, follow the money. Yeah, look, I'm, I hope that Reddit looks after the moderators and the developers here because you know, if it goes on too long, those users will understand the value of their content and if it's not getting looked after there, they'll go elsewhere with that content and Reddit will die. Yeah, which won't impress you. No, not at all, no. Very interesting. Always good to hear about Reddit. Uh, Apple, we're talking, we spoke last week about the Apple. Yes, the Vision headset, Pro. The Vision Pro. Now, yeah. this week we've got another Apple development. Yes, a very short one. It's for those who might enjoy a game or two on the weekend or have kids that are obsessed with gaming. Apple's introducing a new tool that helps the Mac computers play PC games. Yeah. And the tool is called Game Porting Toolkit. Right. It will make it easier for game developers to bring the games to the Mac by mimicking a Windows PC. So pretty much you'll just open up your Mac and there'll be a Windows emulator essentially there. Okay. It'll save a lot of time for the developers who will have to who will avoid months of trying to convert the yeah. game across. It's a big deal because Macs are not well known for gaming. It's one of their big glaring letdowns for computers. Yes, that's right. And so many games are never made to be played on a Mac. Um, so this is, you know, why many gamers will opt for a PC if they don't already play console because PCs have been built around gaming. But in many ways, Apple computers are still the more popular product overall, outside of gaming in particular. So if Apple is successful with this and they're successful with implementing or integrating gaming capabilities into their products, I really worry about uh, Windows PC big time. Yeah, great point. We're both Mac users, but we're too busy to play games. Yes, yes, certainly. Far too busy. Well, that's interesting to know. Now, look. We're going to check out the celebrity magazines as we do sometimes check out those mags. This is another big week. Now, we've got this week, we've got the Woman's Day magazine and the New Idea. And we've got a familiar face on the front of both. It is Prince Harry with the Woman's Day breaking royal news. It's breaking. 
I don't know if you can still be breaking these days on a weekly magazine. However, no. Kate and Wills testify against Harry. So they're testifying against Harry. And then on a new idea, Harry's court confession, I'm scared I'll lose my kids. Okay. So that's a big jump. I actually don't know what that's about. No, I don't, I don't either. I don't think I'll even find out. No, nope. I'll join I'm, you there. Now, I'm going to go to the uh, new idea because I am very interested about this. Uh, well, Breakfast TV, Carl walks out why he had to leave. Today, co-stars left reeling. I feel like he's walked out half a dozen times over the years. Do you reckon as he's walked out on the show, as he walked out on like a well, dinner just, they were having? Oh, I don't Maybe know. it was like a, a brunch after the show he walked out. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Again, I won't find out anymore. Now, here's the thing that really interests me. Air fryer roast <sighs> dinners. Too easy. Air fryer roast dinners. Now, isn't the whole concept of an air fryer, and I have become very, very accomplished at the air fryer, you just open up the air fryer, throw the food in, mm. shut the air fryer, and then you go 25 minutes on this temperature. That's, That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. No, you certainly have mastered it. So I throw the roast chicken in there. Oh, yeah. And I throw it in and I put it on for 55 minutes on the chicken setting. Mm. So there's no temperature needed. Yeah. And that's it. So I'm just trying to wonder here, in the air fryer roast in is too easy. How much detail do they give you there? Yeah. Oh, See, yeah. I might... Look at the magazine for that because I'm intrigued because I think all it is is open it, throw the meat in, close it, put it on this setting and come back when it finishes. Mm. Anyway, that's my rant. What's happening on the Woman's Day apart from the royal family meltdown? I'm surprised you didn't mention the shark. Oh, yes, sorry. The shark? Greg Greg Norman. Norman. Baby surprised at 68. I was waiting for you. Every time you went around there, said the thing has grabbed my attention most. I said, please say the shark. The sharks, okay, so baby surprise at 68. Clearly the shark's not having a baby, but his uh, no. his wife or partner is, which is big news because Al Pacino's partner just had a baby um, this week, I think, and he's 83. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah 83. Yeah, so, I did see that, and she's considerably younger. Yeah, so uh, the star of The Godfather from before I was born mm. is still having children now, which is obviously going to keep him busy. Right. Yeah. Now, Woman's Day. What have I got here? I've got Michael Bublé's Aussie Baby Joy. See, now Bublé's one of those guys who gets stuff, doesn't he? Now we, we he sometimes... Does. He we, does well. We sound like we mock these uh, covers, but we don't because... It's a good way to find out what people are talking about, mm-hmm. but they love Bublé. They do love Bublé. He does well over here. He does well on TikTok too, which is always a good indication. Um, there's an exclusive here. Kathleen Folbig, Cellmate, speaks out. That's an interesting story. That would be interesting, I think. Yes. I read about the Kathleen the other week. It's a pretty significant story. Interesting story. Yeah, I didn't know if it would be on these celebrity mags, but there it is. No. We've got uh, not quite the air fryer roast dinners. I've got five-ingredient dinners. Five ingredients. At least you know what to expect there. Yeah, that's no true. No more than five. Five ingredients. You could do something up pretty good there. Yeah. Yeah. Five's enough. Yeah. And uh, we got letters to Lindy Chamberlain revealed. Oh, yes. That's in the... Yes. That's yeah. I'm not sure. Cameron yeah. Datto fighting for his marriage. Yeah. He used to sell magazines in the day. Did he? Yeah. Back when uh, probably uh, maybe before you were born. Yeah, right. 
Now you've left a big one out here. Which one have I left? Sunrise Stars Let Loose Koshy's Wild Farewell Party. I did. Now, I actually thought you'd said that once. So I didn't want to. No, up on I it. haven't. But I just want to make note Koshy. when breakfast TV people have a uh, wild farewell party, I'm guessing they start early. Must do. They'd have to because they'd be asleep by sort of eight o'clock yeah. at night. Must be a bit. Yeah, they'd start early. Uh, anyway, weekend for you. What is this weekend? Oh, it's William's twenty-first tomorrow. Oh, you got a happy birthday! Yeah, so I'll be uh, I'll be at that. I've got a, a long night of uh, DJing tonight, just at one venue. I think oh, nine really? till two. So next week at the Women's Day, will we have uh, um, stars let loose? William's Wild twenty-first party. Oh, there's every chance. <coughs> Every chance. Happy what? birthday, William. Um, it's been a big week for the Devils. We'll be playing Redcliffe tomorrow night. Ooh, very good. <laughs> yes. Spicy game that'll be. Look forward to it. Have a good weekend. You too.